So today we wanted to talk about uh, something that we're giving the headline of dancing with tension, um, but it's it's introducing a topic that is important, I think, for both Andy and myself to hold because sometimes sometimes it's really hard to know what the right idea is for something or to understand what the truth is behind something or to work out um, which way is up and which way is down. Um, and we find that there's an idea buried in hopefully the conversation that we're going to have today that says that holding the tension of the discomfort or the unknown or the not yet knowable or the disagreement and staying in that space rather than rushing to uh, a more obvious position is something that is is super valuable for us to do and that we try and create the space to do it in. And because this is such a valuable concept for us and, and has a few ideas in it that we reference a lot, this felt like it would be really worth sharing. Um, what we also acknowledge is that this might be a little bit more abstract and a little bit less concrete as we have the conversation. Um, we'll sort of see how it goes because it, the idea that the dancing with tension is very much about how do we hold tension, discomfort, uncertainty um, or balance the two of things? How do we do that uh, in a way that um, we let ourselves stay there rather than rushing to, to one side or another? And by articulating a concept like dancing with tension, it's very helpful to have a label for the fact that that's what you might be doing. And so hopefully sharing that label um, with the rest of the Belray team is something that means they might also be able to adopt this idea of dancing with tension and it, it can be something that becomes part of the Belray vocab. That's a, an attempt at an intro, Andy. What have I what have I missed? So I I really like that, and I think the bit I wanted to add was um, it's not just not rushing to resolve attention. It's also that having contrast and having tension is actually a more realistic and healthier state, and it's that even if you had 14,000 years to resolve one point, the spot you got to probably wouldn't be dissolving or resolving the tension. It would probably be learning to dance with the tension in a way that still felt wholesome and good and all those things. And that fundamentally this contrast, this yin and yang, this, you know, there's so many similar terms and concepts in throughout human history and experience is actually the healthier state. Mm, and, and I think as we were, um, as we were thinking just before we started the conversation about like, what are the themes that feel relevant here? I thought it was really interesting that um, you had the idea of going around in a circle towards a thing. Spiralling in yeah. towards. And I was sort of playing with the models that were coming up in my mind were a little bit more like 
a picture of like a seesaw or finding balance or how do you find hack how do you make it be that you can stay in the middle and I we were about to start talking about that and then we thought no we should actually save that conversation um but I think that your your example of like not just staying in the tension to help resolve something but actually have it be I don't know, does it sound right to say something like a lifestyle choice or like a a way to be that you feel comfortable in the tension and that you find interest and tastiness in the tension? Um, A a seesaw is a lot more fun if you're bouncing up and down on it (laughs) rather than just finding a stable middle spot. I was almost going to say is the seesaw even more fun (laughs) if you get to be the third person who stands in the middle (laughs) rather than one of the ones who goes up and down on either side, like... Maybe that's actually the fun spot, um, that that feels possibly true as well. Yeah. Um, so I think there's one, I don't know, maybe we're like a team of analogies, but there's there's one analogy that um, I feel like we talk about and when I think of this idea, I think of what is for us the, the roof line metaphor um, that holds – holds, I think, usefulness in in this space. And so maybe I'll have a go at trying to explain it and um, we can say if it feels useful. So the idea is that you have um, the visual of a uh, a triangular roof where you could imagine that um, the top of the roof is pointy and then, you know, going down on either side um, is an angled roof that you know, you could sort of sit and slide down on and then down the bottom of each side of the roof is something like a gutter that catches the rainwater and all the things that slide down off the top of roofs. And so um, we we often think about that it can feel like sometimes um, ideas get pushed to one side of the roof line into one gutter or to the other side of the roof line down into the other gutter and that that kind of is the natural way for ideas to progress and gravity sort of pulls them down one way or the other. Um, and that I guess what happens with ideas when, that, when that's the outcome is that once they're down in one gutter, you can't see the other side of the idea anymore and, and same is true for the other side. And so we often have talked about the idea of staying on top of the roof line um, which is hard, right? Because it's like pointy up there. There's not a lot of flatness. You have to balance. You can see both sides, but you're not actually part of part of either side. If you're up on the roof line, you're a bit vulnerable. You're exposed. Um, but it's the only spot where you can see both sides. And so we. Um, so I don't know if that kind of explains it enough, but the. The value in the analogy then is that what is it like to stay on top of the roof line rather than slide down into either the, either of the gutters? And um, why is that hard? Why is it good? What are times where we might want to do that? Um, feels like an interesting analogy that we use to think about dancing with tension. Yeah, so much. And even when I pull up that visual of the a, A-frame roof, I often picture it on a foggy day and you're you're trying to walk this roof line and it's not exactly clear where it goes and there's lots of folks that have chosen which side of the roof line they want to be on whether it's the red side or the blue side or the you know green versus orange whatever it is and there's a lot of 
tribal pull to get you down into that side of the roof. Well, choose your side. Don't sit on the fence. Choose your side. And so I, I see it as not only is it tricky walking on that sort of narrow area, but also you're, you're walking towards an area where you're not 100% sure where it goes, but it feels like it's in a valuable direction. And then you're, you're navigating these steps and there's a lot of pull down to each gutter. There's a lot of things trying to get you to resolve the tension, choose a side. And almost always when you do that, you have to break things or turn a blind eye to things or, 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 or take steps and decisions that end up something like a form of willful blindness. Um, and so it, it feels like learning to dance on that roof line and learning to be comfortable with it and, and not having to go all one side or the other is not only a role for a more fulfilling life, but it's also a, a, a way to stay more connected to reality and, and to be able to face reality more squarely and deal with it rather than come up with dogmas or come up with philosophies that try and just ignore half of what's happening yeah and so like why then you know I ask myself why does that feel interesting for Belroy because I think that what what's relevant for Belroy in this dancing with tension space is that you know every day we are making I don't know 50 little tiny micro decisions that um move a project forward or you know solve a resourcing problem or, or do whatever thing you know that that decision's trying to solve. And it, it, it feels to me like there is generally an easier decision to be made that goes down one side of the roof line or the other. Um, and actually trying to stay on top of the roof line is where a harder decision exists and sometimes like getting everybody to be willing to stay up there and look at that harder decision requires sort of energy and momentum or something. But it's where the fascinating solution happens um, and it's where the new idea happens. And where you still have a potential to recognise a constraining paradigm and potentially transcend it. So often there's this... um, notion of well you're either art or science you're either this or that and if you spend enough time really understanding the root of those things you can you can kind of transcend the paradigm and realize no that's an artificial constraint that you you don't have to be trapped by there is a way where art and science actually become two sides of the same coin or they they actually you spend enough time in that space and soon you learn how how to make a decision on different axes that then everyone else is making the decision or being trapped by that paradigm with. And we've kind of ended up with a bunch of those. Like I'm curious to see how many we can come up with that relate to Belroy. So art and science is one. Work, Work and, and play. play. <laughs> um, what about the city and the coast? Absolutely, which is Bells Beach and Fitzroy yep. right there in our name. I think we we talk about a time dimension mm-hmm. a lot as well, and um, we we talk about seasons, for instance, and that's that's almost introducing another version. But it's that 
um, you're not just a summer brand or a winter brand. You're not just a spring or an autumn. It's a, there's a way to dance between. And so it, it's often felt like um, finding the way that Bellroy can be an art and science place um, or a form and function or beauty in the geek or um, – or work and play or yes I thought there were for you if we kind of worked at it I think that we've often thought of that as one of the key things that's sort of embedded in our values right that holding the tension between those two things is where like I keep wanting to say competitive advantage and I kind of don't want to say that you know it sounds like a dickish way to say it but that that tension between those two things is sometimes what I think can make us create really great things um being able to have you know amazingly beautiful product and being able to engage our customers with really sophisticated data science kind of processes is an example of like art and science um and i think that the um work and play really makes me think about how much we are interested in the transitions between those spaces or can work be playful um, for example, and I feel like that that balance of those dichotomies is something that's sort of ever present in what we're doing. Even in business, um, there's many investors that it, at certain times in economic cycles, they say it's all about revenue growth and at other times they say it's all about profit and you watch them jump from one side to the other over the space of two months even. Um, versus for us, we've always felt that both are important and how do we make the dance between both revenue growth, which gives us a bigger platform to have a bigger impact and influence in the world and enough profit that we're still able to control our own destiny to a fair bit. We haven't committed to a particular travelator and we're now stuck on it. Yeah, and so, it, I mean, it feels like if you take this idea of like dancing with tension and the first sort of concept we were playing with there was this roof line analogy and like the value of staying on the roof line. And then I think through those various Bellary examples, we've then brought in this, the, the yin and yang concept where the value on the roof line um, is that you, you balance in the, the trickier place, perhaps without the view of the destination. But then I like what yin and yang adds to that by saying that actually both sides are valuable and that you need both. they I, I mean, I really like the two sides of the same coin. You know, you can't have the coin without both. And I think that sort of the nice value that you get from the roofline analogy is that you then get to see both sides and realise their values and sort of realise that for something good to happen, um, you need both of them. And that just feels really valuable to be able to have that concept um, and hold it and and sort of propagate that whenever there are these tensions where there seems like there's two sides to something, both sides probably hold value. And in understanding how to work out what the value is in both sides, is there an opportunity to get both? I, I think that's spot on. And um, when do you move more to yin and when do you move more to yang? And I think that's where dancing with tension is good because sometimes you step forward, sometimes you step back. There are times to push 
more into high energy states and times to step back to low energy recovery states. There are times to push more on the art side if if we're feeling like society needs more of that and times to lean more into the science side. And that it's it's not that you're trying to find stasis. You're not trying to find the balance point and stop moving. It's that it is a dance. It is moving. You know, if you if you imagine a very sharp roof line, then you've probably got one foot on each side and you're you're sort of more on the right side and then more on the left side and you're dancing and weaving as you sort of navigate this space. Um, not to push analogies too far, but push the, them. I think they should be pushed all, <laughs> all the, the way. way to find out where yeah. they break, yeah. and then reverse back. Um, but yin and yang, it it has there has been some version of yin and yang in cultures over millennia, and and this notion that um, there are seasons, there are cycles, and one static optimum balance point is not appropriate for all times either there will be times to flex power and times to flex humility there will be times to step forward and times to step back i guess it goes back to the stair analogy of times to step up three stairs and times to step back one stair Um, and so understanding that the the desired state is not an end stasis point where everything's perfectly resolved and in balance. It's actually a dance and it's a system that lets you dance and it's a system that has feedback loops embedded in it so you know if you're going too far to one side or the other. You, you'll know that even though that might have been the perfect strategy for the last three years, there's now a pivot needed and we're going to add more yang to our yin. Um, and so really understanding that the optimum state is a dancing state it is a it is a movement it is seasons it is understanding cycles yeah and and actually listening to you say that left me thinking about um it's funny that this has now been a theme in the first and second conversation but it feels like we are pushing against something in holding the yin and the yang or or staying on the roof line and that um, there does feel sometimes like there's tension to go one way or the other and that one of the things I think we try and create in the culture is that usually both sides have some value to them and we sort of want to be a space where both sides of a thing can be considered and explored and it's kind of safe to do that and fine to do that and like fruitful and um, useful to do that. And just sort of interesting to note that I think that's another sort of pulling against the standard vibe of the thing out in the world that we're trying to do differently um, and trying to hold space for. I I think that's right. I'm, I'm reminded of an essay from Scott Alexander years ago that was you should do the opposite of the advice you get. And it was a very agitated, interesting, clickbaity style headline uh, or key summary passage. But what he was essentially saying is we do often end up in echo chambers. And often when you're trying to find a path that balances multiple goals, like we're trying to do with our own lives, um, that often the advice you're getting, you know, the way we would, blend that into our analogy is from one side or the other and that advice is typically come further down to our side come more across to our side 
And actually what's often needed is a balance. And, mm. and that's where that was this sort of provoking thing of do the opposite of the advice you hear because it's probably advice from an echo chamber that is trying to pull you further down to one side rather than finding a balance point and a dance point. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so the other concept that we were chatting about before um, and then we said, no, 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 let's save it for our conversation was unifying goodness where I kind of saw you wanted to like or you thought that would be interesting and I thought I don't actually know if that's like a thing or if that's an Andy made up thing but I didn't recognize it and then you were going to explain it and then we said let's save it so like (laughs) unifying goodness how does that connect so um it it it, it's sort of a mangle of a few words I'd had in a few different conversations and it was that so often we're told um, or, or we we learn to believe that you need to choose one thing or the other. So you either choose art or you choose science. You either choose pain and ugly sweatiness in exercise or, you know, if you want the desirable, fit, healthy body sort of thing. And and it's always this, um, so often it's this, like you you have to, take one goodness and compromise on the other. And earlier I'd spoken about trying to understand constraining um, paradigms that sometimes trap us in, in an accepted group of compromises and, and we stop believing something else is possible. Where if you spend enough time in the tension, you start to understand whether it's possible to transcend. Um, Bruce Lee had a quote learn the principle, abide by the principle, dissolve the principle. And I always like that because it pointed at you need to get in and understand it. You need to understand how folks are seeing this space, what sorts of models they're using to make decisions on. You learn it, you really understand it, you abide by it. And then if you spend enough work, you you get to start dissolving it and transcending it. And um, I first started to use that unifying goodness as when I was thinking of what made brands really become brilliant brands that have sort of shaped and reshaped the world in some way. And if, you know, I was thinking of Nike as before Nike, um, sweat and the workout was ugly that you did to then have the healthy body afterwards. And through a whole bunch of marketing and messaging and reframing, Nike sort of said well sweat can be sexy and it's like the workout can be sexy and we can get clothes that no longer make you look like a drab gray male tracksuit saggy with sweat stains we we can start to make a hero of the workout and make that Mm -hmm. something that you actually love and value and that allowed them to dissolve an existing kind of constraint or paradigm that was sort of you have to do the ugly horrible bit to get the reward at the end they're like how can we make it useful or apple was another brand that you either had tech that was sexy and desirable or you had tech that worked and it was like that was always this compromise that you just had to choose which side of the fence you go you you went on to and through a lot of work and a lot of sort of escaping parad- constraining paradigms they managed to unify goodnesses they said we can make tech that is both desirable as well as works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and often if you spend time in the tension and really understand, you learn from others' views, you do that, but then you hunt for new maps. You, you try and 
come up with new ways of seeing the space. Sometimes you can um, transcend that. And it's not that you eliminate the tension. It's that you shape a new type of dance with a, that, that has fewer compromises. Or like you find the goodness in each side of in the universe. In each side. And you, and you learn a dance that lets you celebrate and make the most of each of those And have them coexist. And have them coexist. That's a nice way to say it. Mm, interesting. Um, is that sort of, does that feel like we've missed anything there in this conversation? It's a huge topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I, I think we've touched on it, but um, the dimension of time. Often, often with Belroy, uh, so for instance, we talk about four-dimensional design as, you know, you have a length, a width, a depth, and a point in time. And um, often the dimension of time gets forgotten about as folks try and simplify things. But in this space, the dimension of time is so important. I think there are times when... There are seasons, there are cycles, and really understanding that is a way to understand the dance that isn't trying to fix at one point in time. It's saying what's right at this point can move. And I'd said that before, but it's just time is often one of the lenses where if you say, I'm not considering time, what if I consider time in this decision? Is there a time to work really hard and a time to rest really hard? Is there a time that this is appropriate and a time that this won't be appropriate? Often that dimension of time is one of the ways you can escape constraining paradigms or find the angle that others have simplified out of how they're navigating this space. And like I kind of want to, you know, I would insert the like brain exploding emoji. Um, As as we were thinking about the dichotomies, I was thinking about uh, day one, day 1000. And is that... Is that an example of like the thing looks fresh and, and shiny and new on day one and is that the valuable thing or like day 1000 you've had it for about three years and you've been using it and it's weathered or patinaed depending on your perspective um, and is that the valuable thing, that the thing that has sort of three years of experience in it and um, that's like one tiny example of a, of a time yin and yang comparison but it's almost like what's going on with time, hence uh, brain exploding emoji, um, is that like at every moment you kind of get another yin and, yin and yang opportunity um, to to sort of look at the, the two opportunities or perspectives or contrasts. Um, and yeah, it sort of it feels like a lot to contemplate. But I think that the other thing that the time makes me think about is that um, Tom Hanks did a, an interview where he said, like, someone had asked him something like, what do you wish you knew or what was a something, something piece of advice? And he says, um, this too shall pass. <laughs> <laughs> and he says it like slow with this beautiful accent and it has so much wisdom in it and it's, it's so much like when I think about this um, – dancing with tension idea and how much time also sometimes is the resolver of the tension and the thing that feels impossible now or unresolvable once you add the dimension of time actually the thing does pass it does resolve the, the concept becomes clearer and more straightforward and um yeah, it feels like there's a lot of different directions to, I, I really to go agree. there. And that's not 
a nihilistic view of nothing matters and mm. you know it's all irrelevant it's that you still want to be dancing right you still want a joy a vitality you still want to be going after ambitious goals but know that just as those failures will pass so will the successes so will all of that and so this is a dance and it, it's never ending this too shall pass whether it's a success or a failure and so start to understand to enjoy the dance and how can you feel strong in the dance and how can you start to put new repertoire to your dances but it, it it's still an active state it's not a sit back and it doesn't matter what you do it will all pass it's it's still like wrestle for positive change do these things but always understand that it's a dance yeah that that sounds pretty right to me um cool should we is Let's. that a, is that a good spot so yeah. i think um hopefully this idea of dancing with tension can can exist as a a marker of a concept that um it, it felt like the way it evolved through that conversation made really good sense to me it, it first thought about as um something like the tension of being on top of the roof line rather than sliding from one side to the other and then evolving to say actually there is um there's joy and beauty in both sides and that the real opportunity is how can you evolve your way of being to be constantly looking to find and dance with the beauty on both sides and perhaps over time um, work out how to weave those things together rather than needing to choose one or the other um, is a thing to kind of shoot for. And, I mean, that feels really like that's not easy um, saying it all together like that, but that feels really like something worth shooting for. And, and you know, that, that feels like a useful and valuable idea. Nothing to add from me. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>